The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. Are you looking to make better, healthier choices this year? Then let me help you out by introducing you to ButcherBox. ButcherBox not only helps you treat yourself to more delicious and wholesome meals, but it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat with humanely raised beef, pork, chicken, seafood, and more that's delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with folks who share their high standards and truly care about how animals are raised. Plus, they're B Corps certified, which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus get, 20 per- plus get $20 off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, 
And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. In a world where real and tangible bad things happen, it's hard for some to believe in things like magic and hexes. On December 14th, 1901, a man was born who would go on to stand trial for a brutal double murder. A man who, at the end of his trial, hexed all of the men involved in his conviction. Men who, one by one seemed to fall victim to this unbelievable bit of magic. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Little is known about the life of Jake Bird prior to his 40s. We know he was born on December 14, 1901 in Louisiana, but after leaving home at the age of 19, spent the majority of his life moving from place to place, working with the railways and as a manual laborer all over the United States. He had an extensive criminal record and spent a total of 31 years behind bars in places like Michigan, Iowa, and Utah. On October 30th, 1947, a 45-year-old Jake Bird was experiencing one of the rare moments of freedom when he went to look for a job in Tacoma, Washington, and came upon the home of Bertha Clunt and her daughter, Beverly June. By 2.30 a.m., the police were being dispatched to the Clunt home after neighbors claimed to hear screaming coming from inside. As the officers arrived to check on the mother and daughter, they noticed a barefoot man run out the back of the home and crash through the picket fence. Acting quickly, officers Andrew Sabutis and Evan Davies took off after the unknown man as he started scaling the fences of neighboring yards. One fence was a bit too high and Jake Bird was cornered in the alley behind J Street. Pulling out a jackknife, Jake cut Officer Davies' hand and stabbed Officer Sabutis in the shoulder. What he didn't know was that Andrew Sabutis was actually a former prize fighter named Tiny Lamar. And with one left hook to the jaw and a swift kick to the groin, Jake Bird was on the floor and placed into handcuffs. While all three men received medical treatment, other officers were dispatched to check on the inside of the Clunt home. When they went inside, they found 52-year-old Bertha lying dead on her bedroom floor and 17-year-old Beverly June lying on the kitchen floor. Both women had been bludgeoned to death with the axe that Jake left in his rush out the door. A closer look at the bodies led police to suspect an attempt was made to sexually assault Bertha before she was killed, and that her screams brought her daughter rushing down from her upstairs bedroom and into the nearby kitchen where she lost her life. Back in Tacoma City Jail, Jake Bird was being interrogated by a Lieutenant Sherman W. Lyons. It didn't take long for Jake to admit to killing the Clunt woman, claiming he entered the residence through the unlocked back door, assuming it would be a, quote, easy burglary, and only brought the axe to, quote, bluff out anyone who tried to bother me. The women who he didn't realize were home when he walked in were a bother, so he took their lives, about $1.50 in loot, and ran out the door where he heard the police. He was charged the very next day with first-degree murder for the death of Bertha Clunt, was given a lawyer who he attempted to fire to represent himself, 
pleaded not guilty and was sent to trial on November 14, 1947. The trial lasted barely two days where the prosecutor used evidence in Beverly's case to try and prove a level of premeditation in Jake's crime. They presented evidence of blood and brain tissue that was found on Jake's clothing, his bloody fingerprints, which were found in the house and on the axe, and the shoes that he left behind at the murder scene. Not to mention the signed confession police obtained prior to his charge. It all seemed pretty cut and dry. However, a surprise witness took the stand and brought with him a tiny spark of doubt. According to Tacoma police officer John Hickey's courtroom confession, he and an officer Statham may have gotten a little too violent with Jake prior to his initial arrest. He claimed, quote, I regret to say I lost my temper after returning from the Clunt home and viewing the terribly hacked bodies of the two women. I had asked Bird as we sat in the patrol wagon why he murdered the two women. He said he didn't do it. I asked him who did it then, and he said it was Leroy. According to Jake, Leroy was a black man who lived around town. And when Officer Hickey accused him of lying and Jake made a smug look back at him, Hickey, quote, hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, don't kill me. That brought me to my senses and we took him to the hospital where a nurse said he wasn't hurt badly. With this new bit of information, the defense objected to the prosecution's entrance of Jake's signed confession, claiming it was obtained under duress and should not be admissible in his trial. The judge disagreed and ruled that there was no relation between the beating and his confession. With that, Jake Bird's fate was sealed. After just 35 minutes of deliberation, Jake was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. After a motion for a new trial was denied, Jake's own defense attorney told the court that he did everything in his power to defend Jake and that no further appeals would be made on his behalf, saying, I feel whenever any man's 45 years old gets an idea that no lives are safe to anyone except his own, that man is a detriment to society and should be obliterated. When asked if he wanted to comment, Jake refused, saying, I was given no chance to defend myself. My own lawyers just asked you to hang me. They apologized for defending me. If they were so reluctant to defend me, why did they contest the prosecutor's proof of murder and now say that everything is proven? He closed out his 20-minute impassioned speech by declaring that everyone involved in his case would die before he did, enacting what would later be called the Jake Bird Hex. Within a year, six men connected to Jake Bird's case were dead. On January 1st, 1948, just a month after his sentence, Judge Edward D. Hodge, the man who heard Jake's case, died of a heart attack while still in his office. He was just 69 years old. Then came the death of undersheriff Joseph Carpatch, who helped to arrest Jake and obtain his confession, who died of a heart attack at the age of 46. Chief Court Clerk Ray Scott, who filed the transcripts and handled the original appeal papers, also died of heart failure. George Harrigan, a court reporter who died of a heart attack at the age of 69. Lieutenant Sherman Lyons, who questioned Jake Bird, died at the age of 46 from a heart attack. And finally, in November of 1948, came the death of J.W. Selden, Jake's court-appointed lawyer, who died on the anniversary of the sentencing of, you guessed it, a heart attack. He was 76 years old and died while sitting at his desk reading Supreme Court decisions. 
There was also Arthur A. Stewart, a guard at the Washington State Penitentiary who died of pneumonia in May of 1949, just two months before Jake Bird was sent to the gallows. He was executed on July 15, 1949, having survived the six men directly associated with his trial and his guard. Now, in all the excitement of the Jake Bird hex, a second round of confessions, ones that delayed his execution, went widely unnoticed by the press. According to Jake, Bertha and Beverly weren't his only victims. In fact, he claimed he killed an additional 44 victims over the course of the last 20 years and was willing to help the police solve the cases in exchange for his life. A confession he gave on December 7, 1947 to Undersheriff Joseph Carpatch, who would later fall victim to the so-called hex. A 60-day delay was granted to allow police from other states to come interview Jake and 11 of the 44 murders were substantiated with an additional 33 carrying enough weight to name him as a prime suspect. These murders, mostly of women, took place in Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Washington. Thanks to his confessions, police were able to close the books on a number of cold cases. In the meantime, he took the opportunity to try and appeal his conviction and represent himself to the Washington State Supreme Court. He claimed that Judge Hodge made several errors in his case and fought for a new trial. The appeal was denied on November 30th, 1948. His petition for a retrial was denied on December 3rd and on January 14th, a new judge signed his death warrant. When hanged on the morning of July 15, 1949, Jake was the 63rd prisoner and the seventh black man to be executed by the state of Washington since 1904. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on December 15th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.